Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and I am thrilled that you can join us here today on the show. Um, I'm really looking for this uh, forward to this conversation on zestful aging. Uh, but before we get to that, I always like to tell people a little bit about us and why why we do what we do. And bottom line, it's because my mother had lived with dementia for 30 years, and it was life changing for me. And so I've now committed my life to shift dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world by raising people's voices all around the world and sharing them with you. You see, there's so many tips and insights and stories and services and products and tools to help live us grace, help us all live graciously um, alongside dementia. But we just needed a channel to be able to find them. And so Alzheimer's Speaks was created just just to do that because I truly understand the frustration and the guilt and the exhaustion of caring for someone with dementia or um, for those people who are diagnosed, the frustration and the exhaustion they must feel trying to adapt to living with a chronic illness. But on this journey, there's a whole other path, and that is one of joy purpose, and passion. And I know that we can all live better together um, by joining forces. I really think that's the only way we're going to win the battle against Alzheimer's and all the other dementias out there. We also are a platform, um, not only that's, you know, an advocacy-based and educational-based program, but we also help companies expand their brand footprint by leveraging our content Um, to increase their exposure with our audience. Now, I would be amiss if I didn't say thank you to our vets. Um, You know, they have done so much for us over the years, continue to and will in the future. And I just am am so proud of, of each and every one of the veterans and their families for the sacrifices that they've made for all of us. I also want to give a shout out um, because it's National Family Caregiver Month and it's also Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month in November. So some of you may not have known that. Um, I also will be going out. uh, In fact, I leave tomorrow, November 13th. I'm going to be out in Reading and um, Lexington, Massachusetts with Artist Senior Living. So if you're in that area, I would love to um, have you come out and see me. And then the following week, November uh, 20th through the 23rd, I'm going to be with Alabama Cares with the East Alabama Area um, Agency on Aging. So please, uh, please come visit me. Uh, these events will be a lot of fun and um, I think very informative. Uh, let's see, who else do I want to shout out to? Of course, the Memory Cafes, um, memorycafedirectory.com to find a support group uh, next to you or near you. 
These are groups for people living with early to mid dementia and their care partners. And um, they, we have over 800 of them now in the U.S. And the Memory Cafe directory is, is your source you can go to to find those. Or maybe you have one and you want to get it listed. There's no charge um, to be inputted there. Stall Catchers, for those of you that don't know, is a game where you can actually um, analyze real-life data. Uh, in Alzheimer's research just by playing a video game. So check out stallcatchers.com. And then last, I want to give a shout out to Lisa Marie, who is doing her second annual cruise. And um, that's going to be another Caribbean cruise. So check out allscruisetropics.com. That's allscruisetropics.com. So that's A-L-Z cruisetropics.com. So let's get started with our conversation about zestful aging. I have turned 60, and so I need to hear the words and wisdom of Nicole Christina, who is a psychotherapist, um, and she has been doing that for 30 years. So she's going to be filled with lots of great knowledge, and she has a podcast called Zestful Aging which is heard in 73 countries. She loves to interview dynamic and inspiring guests about um, their projects that they're working on and their own kind of um, morphing in into age itself. So welcome, Nicole. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I loved your intro. You've got so much going on, and I really appreciate your work, Lori. Well, thank you. I'm a, I'm a fan of yours as well, and I think uh, today we're going to have a great conversation. So um, actually, before I start with uh, our line of questioning, I always like to ask um, my guests, um, if you're comfortable with this, is have you been personally touched by dementia in your own circle of friends or family? Yes, my mother-in-law is currently um, dealing with those challenges, and my husband will tell me, you know, she asked about the car keys again. And so that's a daily conversation that he has with her. And it's very difficult because she's a uh, feisty one. And uh, she doesn't (laughs) take kindly to people telling her, no, the throw rugs aren't working anymore. No, you can't drive to the grocery store. And she really puts up resistance as many people do and I I, I'm sure I will too Uh, so that's a constant conversation in in our uh, or in our household how did it go with mom today oh yeah totally totally understand that why don't you tell us how do you describe zestful living Well, I'd be happy to. Uh, Some of this is coming from my work as a psychotherapist with people who are exploring their own aging, and and some of it's coming from the Harvard Study of Adult Development, which I'm sure you know, Lori, is the longest study of aging. It's on its, I think it's on its 75th year now, very comprehensive. So the things that I'm going to talk about actually have some science basis to them, Um, and I always think that's important, but the first thing I talk to people about in terms of zestful aging is maintaining your curiosity because brains love 
to be stimulated, right? I mean, they don't want to just kind of be slogging along doing the things that they always do. And it doesn't have to be fancy. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be learning another language or something that might feel overwhelming. Um, our local library had a little uh, a seminar and had to do something called yarn tatting. Have you ever heard of this, Lori? No, I, a, I, I haven't. It's a, I'm a knitter, but this was something new for me, and it's basically taking fiber before it becomes yarn and taking a sharp needle and transforming this roving into it becomes like a hard little shapeable kind of ball and I'm sure people have seen these if anyone's been to Iceland they make a lot of characters like this um, so it's just it's low commitment I think it was ten dollars uh, and I'm sitting with a group of people who are you know my peers and we're laughing because some people were stabbing themselves by mistake and <laughs> you know and like you know we were not a really skilled and graceful group and we had a lot of laughs you know am I going to become an expert yarn tatter no I'm not I'm not you know that just takes too much time I'd rather do something else but that's just a little example um so the idea of um doing what you knew to do to feel alive or refreshed, trying new things. And this is not about being an expert. I have um, also a senior tennis player. And, um, you know, I we have people at our club who are 90, and they are hitting balls, and they are just out there. They're not trying to get into, you know, the pros. They're just there to get a little exercise and to be out of the house and to meet new people um, and so these are the kind of things I really encourage for folks, super inexpensive courses at places like Oasis. Is that something that you have, Lori, in Minnesota? Do you know Oasis? about Oasis? We have, we have like an Oasis that's a home care, but... This is a this is all over the country and it may not be in your city. It's it's definitely something to look into. It's subsidized by our uh, local um, upstate hospital, but they do super inexpensive courses on geography, art, film, literature. It's not a big time commitment, and you have professors who are retired who want to come and talk about Soviet politics, you know, and maybe that's not necessarily your thing, but it gets you out, it gets your brain working, and you're with people. So really important. So that's a big part of zestful aging, um, understanding and using your own individual talents and skills, passing those along, some kind of physical movement. And I am, if, if anything, any kind of program uses the word boot camp, I am out because life is already a boot camp. And so what I'll talk to people about is, taking walks if they're able that is one of the best weight bearing exercises um so a lot of this stuff is like having realistic expectations of keeping your mind and your body healthy because caregiving is a serious depletion of our psyche and our you know um in our physical health we have to keep ourselves healthy um, so those are some of the things that I, I recommend. 
Okay. And I was thinking with the Oasis, we have something in Minnesota called the, the Osher Lifelong Learning that sounds uh-huh. like it's, it's fairly similar. similar. Yep. In absolutely. concept there. And, and those are absolutely wonderful. Even our community ed has um, fantastic programming or um, I know in most states, I believe you can go back to college too after a certain mm-hmm. age for, for free. So um, and it takes yeah. a little courage. I mean, I have clients that will say to me, I know, I know, I should, I should. Um, but, it, you know, you might be a little uncomfortable because nobody really loves to go to a place where they don't know anybody. But if you could set it up so maybe you're going with somebody else or make it, you know, make it easier for you to go um, in whatever way. Um, it's going to take maybe a little bit of getting out of your comfort zone, but these are the kinds of things that keep us zestful, keep us engaged, keep us alive, and not just, you know, the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is it's important to stay engaged. Um, you know, we hear so many people feeling isolated in all ages. Mm-hmm. now and, mm-hmm. and lonely and depressed and, and that's not a good thing let's talk a little bit about self-care everybody talks about <laughs> you know self-care when you're caring mm-hmm. for a loved one yeah but is there, yes. there's self-care for the care partner but there's self-care for the person with dementia as well what mm-hmm. what do you have up your sleeve for for that <laughs> It's funny you use the term up your sleeve because I was thinking of that term too. I had some some tricks up my sleeve. You know, I um, on my podcast, I've been really fortunate to have, I mean, I'm kind of a nature girl, so I guess I'm seeking these guests out. But the scientific basis of um, cognitive benefit of being outside, I mean, we all kind of know, yeah, that's good for me. But now the science is really showing the brain changes of being outside and I'm going to add a, a word that some people might might be familiar with and the word is fractals are you familiar with fractals Lori this is a well, funny word fractals no I I, I can't say I am I, I, I'm not surprised because it's not you know it's not your area of expertise so Fractals are repeating patterns in nature. And so let me give you a funny example. Trees with branches with their little buds and all this are very close to looking like our crow's feet around our eyes. So there's these natural patterns that occur in many, many different places. And if you look at a tree and the leaves, you'll look up and you'll see this pattern repeated and repeated, smaller leaves, larger leaves, leaves that are turning yellow, leaves that are turning red. And it turns out that our brains love fractals, love repeating patterns in nature, and that's just the way we've evolved. So if you want to do yourself some good, if you just go outside, this sounds almost magical, and you get yourself under some trees, whether it's walking or sitting or just being in the presence of nature, your brain loves that level of stimulation because it's stimulating enough, but it is not 
overstimulating. So many people find it to be very calming. And so that's an example of something I would really recommend for folks either with Alzheimer's or dementia or caregivers. The other thing I like to talk to people about, and this is from some of the meditation background and um, stress reduction that I do with people in my practice is having a mantra that is helpful to you. And one of the truths about life, as we know, is everything changes. It changes Mm -hmm. for the good. It changes for the bad. But one thing we're guaranteed, things are not going to be the same tomorrow as they are today. So one of the mantras that my clients use and they say it's helpful is this too will pass. So when you are really having a hard time, maybe you're having word finding difficulty, maybe you're feeling burnt out as a caregiver. I think to be able to comfort yourself with a mantra like, you know, all is well, or this too will pass helps you stay out of that deep, deep, dark hole of despair. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it, you know, it's four words, too. And so it's easy to remember. It's easy. It, it's not intimidating. And we all know it's true because we're still here. <laughs> we've been through, <laughs> right. And we've been through some frustrating times, you know, and, sure. and things. So I, I think that that's a, that's a great one. One of the things that I say to myself, and I wouldn't say it's a mantra, but it's a question I've learned to ask myself is what's the lesson when I'm feeling really frustrated. Uh, mm-hmm. And and what I found is when I ask myself that question, I realize mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't really been looking for the answer. I've been I've been I've been all swirled up in the minutiae of whatever mm. is frustrating me. And then all of a sudden I really start looking for the answer and I start seeing the signs and it's like well, boy, I wish someone would have taught me that one in school. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that you're just you're describing wisdom, Lori. You know, <laughs> I wish someone would have taught me that. You know, you make a really interesting point: is this idea of what's the lesson? Sometimes when people are really struggling, that's almost like too big a question. That's like the second question for them. The first question is: Is there anything here? that I can appreciate. Notice we're not even saying gratitude because that might be too big when your loved one is really struggling or you're really struggling to say what I'm grateful for just feels like, oh my goodness, that's just, you know, I can't even go there right now. Mm -hmm. So if we kind of make it a little smaller, what here can I appreciate? Um, can help people shift their mindset just enough to prevent a total bottoming out. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good one. And I think a lot of times we don't, we don't look for what is good, you know, what has worked in our life and we get caught up in the, in the loss a lot of times with dementia. I know I, I have. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I had, this piece of wisdom that all of a sudden came to me, <laughs> I'll use your term. Mm. And, and I realized I couldn't have great loss without having great love. And that's a gift, you know? Mm. And, so that, and so that would always help kind of pull me, pull me up and lift me out of the, 
the crap I was swirling in, you know, when I was feeling maybe out of control and um, just lost and, and overwhelmed and things. So, Oh um, yeah. I mean, you, your brain shuts down. You can't, you know, when you're in that state of overwhelm, it's like you're offline, you know, you can't see things clearly. You can't see the future. You're just frozen in fear and dread and overwhelm. And I, uh, there's a, a woman who I follow, she's a, she's one of the first uh, women meditators that I think started this whole thing back in the 70s. Her name's Sharon Salzberg. And I love her saying, she says that you notice that even the deepest pain is not a solid wall of misery, that there are little teeny things you might notice um, and that it ebbs and it flows. We can't stay in that state of horror permanently our bodies and our psyches just won't do that so to remember that it ebbs and it flows kind of like you know labor pains boy when mm-hmm. it's bad it's really bad but okay here's a break let me rest let me look for some things I can appreciate let me do some abdominal breathing just basic abdominal breathing where you're breathing deep into your belly which signals your vagus nerve to tell your brain, hey, you're safe. You can, you can relax. You're safe. Nothing's coming to attack you. Well, and that is so true, and I think we really do get caught up in that so often in terms of, um, you know, this, this panic mode. And the, the deep breathing and the meditation I've done for, for years, and I probably still don't do it as much as I should, but what a difference. You know, I always tell people take 11 deep breaths just because that's my favorite number. And, mm-hmm. you know, and then I remind them of how often did your mom tell you to count to 10 before you react, you know, and mm. it's kind of a resetting of that calculator <laughs> inside. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's amazing how different you feel by doing mm-hmm. something that we naturally do, but we're doing it in a different way, in a more conscious way. Absolutely. And, you know, there's something about having, I'll go back to your expression, tools up your sleeve to know that if I'm in line at the grocery store and I'm feeling really overwhelmed, there's something I can do. I can't take it away. I can't, you know, change things, but I can help myself through it by doing some pretty basic things, eating eating well most of the time. That doesn't mean M&Ms are off the table, but it means that I'm treating my body with respect and I'm eating things that are mostly fresh and unprocessed. You know, that I'm resting enough, that I'm doing my abdominal breathing, that I might be writing in a journal, that I'm going outside and breathing fresh air. These are the basics and, you know, they, they're not fancy, but this is these are this is the foundation of good aging and good health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's not rocket science, but it mm-hmm. is. It, it it takes a lot sometimes to slow us down to pay attention to what we're even doing. Um, I, I know it does for me. I, I think life has gotten so fast paced that, you know, we're just in motion constantly, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. understanding the effects of that motion. 
Um, That's for sure. I think you're so right about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the other, I was just going to say, the other thing I wanted to add that piggybacks onto your comment is there's some really interesting science out now about quiet. And what they're finding is, you know, they always use these poor little mice, but the the mice that actually have quiet um, to kind of recover from a lot of noisy environmental sounds, uh, their brains are much healthier. They're more calm. We are constantly being stimulated, and it. And I think it's just background noise. We're used to it. I was. I mean, you can't even sit in an airport without, you know, with your book and read. I have a hard time because you know they've got CNN blaring. You can't go into any restaurant now without either a TV or music, and it's usually pretty loud. There's nowhere to escape the din, and our brains need to power down. And so we need to be really intentional and conscious of now's my time for quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 for me, I need that. I mean, I've realized that since I've been, oh, well, since I graduated from high school and had really my first job in management, I just needed to pull back and um, my family thought it was crazy because I'd go up to the lake by myself and my friends are like, don't you want anybody up there? I'm like, mm-mm, uh. nope. <laughs> I, I just like going and laying out on the pontoon and just listening to some music and the loons and um, taking in the sunshine and just being still. I, I just think that is so powerful and it just nourishes your body so you feel stronger mm-hmm. you know when you when you head back in you know, to the it's to like the, taking out the garbage you know uh, Martha Beck is a big life coach uh, some of your uh, folks may have heard of her and I, I love her expression about you know meditating and just having that quiet time and she talks about it like you're taking out the garbage is that there's a lot of junk in your head swirling around that doesn't really it's not necessarily helpful it's just debris and when we go and we sit by water or under trees or in nature or even in our own living room quietly that's a way of taking out the garbage mm-hmm. yeah now on the on the opposite side you know we talk about you know kind of filling yourself um, and and emptying yourself at the same time with that quiet time there's also a risk of um, people, I think, as they age, if they're living with dementia or if they're care partners or if it's just even part of the normal aging process, a risk of isolating themselves. And, mm-hmm. and do you feel that that's a dangerous aspect? Well, here's the, the fact that we cannot get away from, even though we think we're pretty fancy because we have iPhones and that, but we are mammals. Mammals have been evolved to be in tribes and packs. And they, uh, you know, it's baked into our brains. And when we are isolated, it is going against our programming. And as I'm sure you've had other guests talk about that isolation is worse than smoking. Um, It's, it's, you know, people say, oh, I'm lonely, and they feel that pain. That pain is real 
because we are not supposed to be spending hours and hours and hours alone. And it's, and as you know, it is an epidemic all throughout the world. Um, the people in the UK are doing some really interesting things in Europe about, and, and also in this country, combining daycares and senior centers um, and just trying to help folks get out and have human contact. It is, it's, it's an epidemic of our time and it is very uh, painful and dangerous. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's there's also another kind of loneliness, and I, I hear people describe it as there's nothing worse than being a lo- um, feeling lonely together. Mm-hmm. When 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 sometimes people are in a relationship or in a, a peer group, but they just don't feel like they fit anymore. And mm-hmm. yet they don't know how to make a change. And they feel isolated, even though they're surrounded by another person or a group. Um, do you do you see that happening much as well? Well, I you know I I'll, I'll speak to that, but I, you know we also know that we're in the middle of the gray divorce. So mm-hmm. when you have people you know fifty and over are looking at their spouses and saying, "Well, we raised our kids, and now what you got? You know, there's not much else <laughs> there." Um, and we're seeing a huge increase in divorce in older folks. So that's, I think, an example of people really feeling like they're better off alone alone than alone in a marriage Um, in terms of people being in groups and feeling like they don't fit anymore. I would really uh, suggest they pay attention to that. If they have to be in that group, they can sort of do their duty, but then also find other places. And it's a bit of a trial and error. I mean, you're not going to necessarily go we have knitting groups here and sometimes I'll suggest people go there as a start because it doesn't cost anything and it's an easy a low commitment kind of thing but you gotta kind of look around and shop around you don't want to put yourself in a group and say I should like this this should work for me you know I, I I should be happy here if you're not you'll know it because in your gut it'll feel tense and constricted. That's your body saying, you can try to talk yourself out of this, but this is not your tribe. Yeah, and I it was interesting. I had a conversation with our, our group called Dementia Chats where I facilitate a conversation with people with dementia, and they were talking about how sometimes in a group there'll be a member that doesn't fit. And, um, Mm. you know, there's kind of this ripple effect and then they're kind of kicked out of the group. They try to do it nicely and they try to talk to the person to say, okay, this is what our group is about. But the the person wants to make the group different than what it is. And, and it's not working for anybody, but I, and then I think that there's this awful feeling of why don't I fit in that group instead Mm. of looking inward of, well, no, the group doesn't fit me, you know, oh. and then there's, there's that feeling. Um, and, and so I think sometimes we have to teach people to be empowered that it's, 
it's okay not to fit. Nothing's going to fit all of us. You know, I don't care if it's the size of clothes, if it's friendships or, mm-hmm. you know, what, whatever, um, job skills, everything isn't for everybody. But there's, there's such status so many times in terms of being part of, you know, a certain group or, you know, in a relationship that I think people really, really can long for too. And, um, can be, I don't know, in my opinion, because I've been there, you know, a misguided thought. And then once I get out of it, it's like, oh, yeah, boy, this is much better on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about self-awareness, you know, I think you're (laughs) talking about self-awareness and kind of watching your thoughts, watching your beliefs and saying, wait a minute, does this make sense anymore? I know I've been believing it for years, but does, does it make sense, this idea that people don't like me or, you know, I should be in this group because my sister said I should? You know, I think you're talking about examining your own beliefs. And as we get older, hopefully we're able to know ourselves more and know where we, you know, where we feel comfortable and where we don't, even though we think we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that is very true, and I think uh, that's one of the gifts of of aging. Anyways, it has been for me. Um, you know, I hated thirty because I wasn't in life where I wanted to be, and I. But I've loved fifty, and I love turning sixty, and um, I, you know, I just look at the world very differently because I feel more, I guess, confident in my in my skin, even though I'd like a different body shape, but I feel more confident in my skin, you know, Mm -hmm. as as I get older. It's funny, you know, doing my podcast, I really allowed myself to kind of follow my bliss. And I know that there's people out there who might like a lot of, you know, wear this so your hair doesn't look as gray or wear this so your skin doesn't look as wrinkled. And tell you the truth, that is just not interesting to me. So I've really asked myself, like, what makes me really excited? And those are the people that um, I ask to be guests. And it's, it's really about like lighting my own fire. And luckily, I guess there are enough people who have similar interests to me. But, you know, to your point, I, I think you know, if I really wanted to go for the super popular, it would be much more about here's how you apply makeup and here's how you match your jacket with your leggings and here's the best haircut for your, you know, age. I That to me just doesn't have enough substance. It just doesn't keep me interested. And so, you know, I've really done what you're suggesting, which is like, oh, wow, is that going to be juicy or how fascinating is that? And, you know, here's a documentarian. She's doing things on global warming. I, you know, that email goes right out. Um, so that's, that's an example, you know, from my life about how I'm really trying to get to know who I am at, at age 58 and, and go with it and not pretend or not try to be somebody I'm not. Mhm. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's something very satisfying in all of that. It's um mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's there's really a freedom 
in that. And I think, um, and I think no matter what our circumstances are, if we are a person living with dementia or a chronic illness or aging or really at any age, when, when you can get to that point of saying and really being conscious of this mm-hmm. is what makes me feel comfortable. This is what brings me joy. Mm-hmm. This is, this terrifies me or this is really feels creepy. And then drawing the oh. line, you know, absolutely. And it's, you know, we're, it's funny, you know, I think about the high school experience way back when they expect you to be good at everything, you know, and I don't understand that. I mean, there's certain things that I really excel at and then certain things I am just plain terrible at. If I didn't have an accountant, I would probably be in prison. I swear. I mean, like, I, there's just certain things. I have a terrible sense of direction. It's pathetic. You know, if I think it's left, the chances are 90%. It should be right. It's it, I just, I, my, that just, I never got that part of my, you know, brain uh, working. And so the idea is you really go with your strengths, right? You really go with what, um, you know you're comfortable and lights you up. You, I, I feel like at this age, why am I going to try to learn how to do accounting? That's, that's not fun for me. Somebody else does that much better. They think about it all day long. Why don't I stick with my strengths and who I am as a unique individual and really um, uh, invest energy and time in those passions rather than trying to be well-rounded. I'm just never going to be good at certain things and that's fine. Yeah. And, and we're all in the same boat. I mean, nobody's great at everything, um, nor should we expect that of others or ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. but there's, there's like this embarrassment in society um, that if we're not what we deem perfect, you know, at everything. And I think that's one of the the things that dementia has taught me is, is I have kicked perfection to the curb. It's not even mm-hmm. a goal of mine. It's really about progress and making a difference and feeling um, relationship-based with those that I interact with. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's just given me, you know, personally, just a much more solid, comfortable base than, mm-hmm. than chasing, chasing the stars and going, yeah, I screwed up. I will again, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully not, hopefully not tomorrow, but <laughs> mm-hmm. and then, well, you're what doing I- what you love and you're good at it and that feels good. So it's kind of this positive feedback loop that you love it. It's obvious. And when we love things, we're usually pretty good at them. And you're in your groove, you know, you, you're, I think it's some, maybe someone might say you're meant to do this and it's important work. And so that's, you know, that's a good way to live in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so often we're taught from a young age, you know, others tell us what we're good at instead of looking at what feels good to us. I mean, for me, I, I can use the example, you know, I went to college and I thought I was going to be an accountant because I was really good at math. And then one day I went to school, I cannot be an accountant. I need to talk to people. I need to interact. I can't, I can't be behind a desk crunching numbers all the time and, and oh. stuff. And, and so, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but I think we all 
no matter what our circumstances are, it, it's worth taking the time to say, you know, what what brings me comfort and joy? Mm-hmm. What do I really, really enjoy? And, um, and, you know, how can I make a difference? I look at people, even with dementia, um, who are these major advocates making huge strides mm-hmm. in changing, you know, getting rid of stigmas and changing perceptions and um, working with policymakers and, and things and, and people say, well, how can they do that? They have dementia. Well, why can't they do that? You know, why can't they? Um, everybody can, but you have to step into it to be able to do it. It's not just going to drop on your doorstep and un- unpackage itself and say, okay, <laughs> this, this, this <laughs> well, is what it's going to look like. Right? Yeah. Encourage you to put yourself out there and have somebody uh, – I had uh, somebody, uh, you know, review my show, and most of the reviews are very positive, but she said something like, oh, my gosh, her voice is so annoying and blah, blah, blah. I mean, not everybody's going to like you, you know, Um, but it does take courage to put yourself out there a little bit, and, and, yeah, as you say, uh, contribute and and uh, do so with passion. Yeah, you know, there's um a lot of I think fear about aging as a whole and chronic illness and and even death. How do people tackle some of those conversations um, within mm. themselves and with others? Oh boy, that's a that's a big question. You know, I've done a lot of interviews with people who are really doing that. You know, death cafes, um, people really wanting to talk about how facing our own death enriches our lives, and to just deny like, well, everybody else is going to die, but not me, which I think is actually kind of a normal, you know, uh, perspective that really robs you of the opportunity to say, what am I going to devote the rest of my time to? Because most of us are aware that our lives are mostly behind us now. And even Mm -hmm. though we're living longer, we're quite aware that there's an end to this party. Um, And I think to just pretend, oh, it'll be, you know, whatever I don't want to think about, it's too uncomfortable it's really unfortunate. Um, I have people who use all kinds of techniques to get people talking about what, what do you want? What do you want it to look like? You know, uh, doing the five wishes. Uh, do you want music? Do you want chocolate? Do you want it in the wood? You know, I mean, well, I'm just taking it from my, (laughs) my desires here, but if we can, just push ourselves a little bit to get past that really sort of squeamish feeling. It really does help us live more intentionally. And, you know, we know there's no time to waste here. I'm not going to pick an argument with somebody who I know is never going to, like for politics, for example, what's the point of arguing with someone who's not going to change their mind? Let me reserve that energy so I can go take a walk with my dog or whatever. So um, a lot of people are looking at this movement called, now it's called Death Positivity, 
Uh, I have a lot of interviews actually about people talking about why it's so vital to face our deaths and say, yeah, it's scary and it's natural. It's a part of this whole cycle. Um, and what do you want it to look like? So I've been very involved in, in that process. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I want to make sure that we have time to also talk about all's authors. You want to tell people mm. a little bit about a little oh, bit about I've, that crazy, a, wonderful oh, group? Oh, well, I have a tender spot for all authors, and they put up a Facebook group uh, picture the other day of. Uh, I think four or five of them meeting, and I said it looked like a, a, a reunion for the Zestful Aging podcast because I had interviewed each and every one of them. And it's a consortium that has really uh, gathered steam of people who are writers all over the world sharing their stories of their experience of having a loved one um, uh, uh, with dementia or Alzheimer's and their perspective, their experience of being affected by this. And it really runs the gamut. People talk about finding out. There's one woman who found out both of her parents were diagnosed on the very same day. Another writer, Ann Campanella, talked about trying to conceive as her mom uh, had Alzheimer's and sort of losing her mom as she was trying to make a life. Um, So they're from all different kind of perspectives um, and they really support each other and everybody who's going through this journey. And they are just a lovely bunch of human beings. I, I totally agree. And I love um, what they've done by pulling all these books together and mm-hmm. working with libraries and going on tours is so greatly, mm. greatly needed. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just love the, the creativity of everything mm. they do. And they're, um, and they're just compassionate voice. I mean, they're all just mm-hmm. such nice, oh, nice they people. And what I was so struck with is how much they love one another and uh, one of the authors told a story of being, you know, only knowing each other virtually until uh, a donor gave money for them to meet in Chicago at this conference. So they had known each other very well online, and then they got to meet in person. And I was just trying to imagine this get-together of people who know your deepest feelings and you know, your deepest struggles and then getting to see them in person. I mean, it was just, from what I hear, it was such a love fest. Um, just just a beautiful experience. Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine. I remember when one of the um, Facebook groups had a, like a little mini conference and they got together and one person actually came over from Europe um, to meet oh. in New York. And this was in the very beginning when, you know, kind of the support groups and social media was um, just kind of starting to take off and people were using um, Skype or Zoom to communicate. And I can't tell you how many professionals poo-pooed those connections. And they Mm -hmm. all said it was like meeting their best friend. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, that they had known forever because their connections were so deep because they mm-hmm. were having these true authentic conversations. They weren't talking mm-hmm. about the weather and, you know, mm-hmm. who won the sports game. And um, yeah. everybody <laughs> yeah, was really is, vulnerable. Yeah. It's so true. You know, groups are almost like magic when you're going through something so difficult and so complex um, and so confusing, you know, the only person that really gets it is someone else going through the same thing. And that kind of bonding and joining, that's really exceptional. Mm-hmm. Agree. Agree. Well, I cannot believe how fast our time has gone by mm-hmm. here. We've, we've got about 10 minutes left, but I wanted to ask you um, about just overall um, maintaining mental health. Do you have just a, a few tips for people in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, what could they do on a daily or weekly basis mm-hmm. to just help, help feel balanced? Well, I guess what I would say to start off is if you're feeling anxious, you're not alone. I mean, we're the most anxious and depressed cohort to walk the face of the earth, and no one is surprised to hear that because when you turn the TV on, all you see are, you know, meds for depression and anxiety, and if this isn't working, you can add the Bilify, and if this isn't working, you should do this. I mean, people are really struggling, and um you know, as a mental health professional, there's no shortage of referrals. People are just feeling worn down for many, many reasons. We've got a lot of worries. Um, some some are global, some are national, and some are in our own lives. So the first thing I would say is know that you're not alone, that people are walking around with more fear and un- feeling unsettled than ever before. If you think it would be helpful to see a therapist, you know, that's, that's where I live. Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, I have a bias towards that. That can be very helpful. Um, but some of the basic things just in terms of taking care of your body, because if your body's out of whack, it's hard to have good mental health, right? If you're feeling exhausted or you're feeling not well-nourished or you're feeling, you know, like your head is full of uh, Facebook ads, you're not going to be able to have good mental health. So kind of going back to those really basic things is, movement, eating mostly fresh foods. This is not about, you know, the food police and you can't eat cookies. It's about mostly eating fresh foods, mostly having days where you're getting outside for at least 20 minutes, having some basic movement, having, and it doesn't have to be called meditation. It could be sitting there and just breathing and bringing your brain back to that moment. This is not, as you say, it's not rocket science. You don't have to get in a fancy outfit and be in some kind of yogic, crazy position with your ankles behind your head. We're talking about just sitting still and allowing your brain to rest. The other thing that your listeners may be interested to know or they already know um, from their experience is handcrafts are very good for our brains and staving off depression and anxiety. I'm a monster knitter. I don't know what I would do without knitting. I find it like a 
kind of a working meditation. It's a very rhythmic. Um, it's very tactile. I had a guest talking about uh, her running a class um, on meditation and knitting. So some of the things like whatever, you know, painting, it doesn't have to be creating the Mona Lisa, but something with uh, doing some kind of handcrafts can be very good for your brain. Um, And then, again, you know, I'm really into uh, making sure that you are able to appreciate the good things in life. And, you know, we are stressed. We are... um, stretched if we are a care partner however we also have clean running water which much of the world doesn't have we know that we are mostly safe that we uh have a a a bed that we're you know we can buy groceries these are the things that i think it's important to remind ourselves because you know we're very very privileged in many many ways Mm mm-hmm I I so agree. We really we really are, and and sometimes we forget about that. Um, oh, for sure, you know, for sure. How good we have it, and how precious life is. Now you do a, a the zestful aging podcast, and yes. how fre- how frequently do you do that? Well, I do. I drop a podcast once a week on Saturday morning. Um, on the holidays like Thanksgiving, we're going to drop on Saturday and Sunday because people will be driving. And as you know, podcasts are often listened to in the car. I have enough guests lined up to go to two times a week, but I think my editor would just bonk me on the head. <laughs> Because I love, like you, I love interviewing. I love meeting these people all around the world. We're in 76 countries now, and it's such a thrill for me. I can't even put it into words, but, you know, I need to pace myself. Um, so mm-hmm. we're, it's a marathon. It's not, you know, I need to remind myself that um, I don't have to do it all in um, in two years, that there's a Many more years to come. I know people ask me all the time, don't you run out of people? And I'm like, gosh, I've been doing this since I think 2011 or 2010. Oh, wow. And I'm like, nope. No, no, no. There's plenty of people um, to talk to and um, easier to find than than what you think. But it does take time and energy Mm -hmm. to put things together and um, stay on pace and, and all of that. So, um, people can just Google you at Zestful Aging Podcast and they can. Yeah. pop right up. Um, they can also go to your website, which is right. NicoleChristina.com, which we have listed on the show page and on the blog and, and things. I also um, have a course. I also have an online course called Zestful Aging um, that you can access through the website. But that's a really nice course on sort of taking you through the basics. Again, all science-based. And the idea is, you know, you don't have to drink kale smoothies all day to think you're getting healthy. It's much <laughs> less, um, <laughs> it's much less uh, difficult than that and a lot of it's basic but you know we get distracted because of all the newest trends in health and fitness and diet so uh the things that i talk about are all really uh researched and uh tried and true they're not just pulled off facebook 
Wonderful. Well, that is that is fantastic. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. I could talk with you all day long, Nicole. It's just very, very fun and informative. And um, hopefully our audience uh, felt the same way. I think you gave us lots of wonderful, wonderful tips to think about and, you know, realizing that zestful aging and mental health is something really all ages need to look at and consider Mm -hmm. and you know you can't correct a path if you don't slow down to see what path you're on even and what your Mm -hmm. what your choices are and you know and it might be um you know that there's another road you want to walk or it might be that you're going to actually build another path that that hasn't been developed yet and Mm -hmm. that choice is that choice is yours um to make out there and i totally agree yeah Wonderful. Well, again, thank, thank you, you so much. Oh, thank you, Lori. The, the pleasure is mine. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. We'll talk soon. Um, okay. Again, appreciate you being with us. And for all of our wonderful loyal listeners, um, I thank you so much for your follows, your likes, your clicks, and your shares, because you just keep spreading um, our work throughout the world as well. And Um, You know, Alzheimer's Speaks is here to raise everyone's voice, no matter um, who you are. If you're dealing with dementia or caregiving, I'd love to hear from you. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. And in the upper right-hand corner, there's a big contact button. Just click on that. You can call me. You can email me. um, You can communicate, you know, to me through Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever your mode is. Um, and my email address is Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com. So there's two S's in the middle, Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com. And for all of our projects and initiatives and more information regarding our work, our uh, training, speaking, and consulting, uh, you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com to find more information there. Have a blessed week, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.